ete whānau. No mai, haere mai, ki the Destinate NZ podcast. Ko Michelle Caldwell, toku ingoa, nō reira, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou katoa. Well, welcome to Māori Language Week, everybody, and hope you've all had a pretty good week so far. We are here, obviously, these Wednesdays seem to roll around really quickly, and it has been a huge week in world news this week with the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. I don't know how you feel about this, but I've been really sad, and I guess she was 96, so led an incredible life, but it does feel a little bit like my great-grandma has passed away. So yeah, I've been spending lots of time, obviously, watching all of the news and events happening in the UK for her final farewell, and I've been really moved by not just the pomp and pageantry that goes with events like this but obviously the outpouring of grief and love for a leadership figure who literally has been in our lives for our whole life. She has been a constant in nearly everybody's entire life and it does seem a little bit strange to A, be referring to Prince Charles now as King Charles III but also singing God Save the King. So it's all going to take a little bit of getting used to. And yeah, I hope you've been able to reflect and just really think about this life of service that the Queen gave us. And oh, it's just, it's incredible to think what that would have meant to her being such a young woman, being made Queen and thrust into that role. And yeah, basically just being there, leading us through so many different crises and major events, some of which happened in her own family, but a lot of the events have affected all of us around the world. And the stoicism that she has displayed, the leadership, the dignity, the grace and class, honestly, she's a phenomenal woman and the world is a little bit poorer, I think, without her in it today. So... Yeah, rest in peace, your majesty. Rightio, so today you will have noticed it is Māori Language Week, but we are going to talk mainly about the art of networking. And who better to talk about this than the king of networking himself, Adam Taylor Eruera. And Adam's going to join us today and give us his tips because I don't know if you follow Adam on LinkedIn or Facebook, but you will notice that he does an incredible amount of networking, more so than even most of us who are all in sales and marketing and tourism. And we do do a lot of networking in our roles. So I thought it would be great to get Adam onto the show and have a chat about just some of the tips that he would like to share about all of those big events that we go to and how to make the most out of it. Now, it would be a little bit remiss of us not to discuss Māori Language Week as well because we know that Adam is very proud of his Indigenous heritage and culture and loves to celebrate Māori culture and obviously is now working at Tapuya in Rotorua. So we're going to talk a little bit about Te Reo and the importance of of Tereo and yeah just celebrating Māori culture in general so it's a really great interview I hope you really enjoy it and he'll be up very shortly but for those of you who um, are listening in 
if you'd like to leave a review please do so you can do this now on spotify and apple podcasts or just leave us a five-star review it's really easy that's all you have to do we really appreciate that and so many of you have done that so far it obviously helps with our rankings and helps more people find our podcast and look if you love one of the episodes please feel free to share this through your social media channels as well last week's episode with Gisela was one of the most popular that we've had sustainability is obviously a big topic and we will be covering this in more detail over the next few months because there's just so much to learn and so much to share in this space but for now we're going to hand over to Adam and we hope you enjoy the show we will be back next Wednesday so please mark your diaries or just hit subscribe and make sure your notifications are on on your phone so you will know exactly when a new Destinate NZ show podcast is released have a great week everybody Adam, kia ora, and welcome to the show. Kia ora, thanks for having me. I'm very happy to be here and thank you so much. You're very welcome. It's great to have you here. Now, look, I think most of our listeners will have come across you at some point, but I'd love to start out by you sharing a little bit about your tourism career history to date. Okay. Well, funnily, I posted something about that on LinkedIn the other day. And so I studied tourism and travel at Waitaki Polytechnic in Aotearoa in 1995. Mm-hmm. And Linda Keane was my tutor at the time. All right, yeah. Yeah. And so interestingly, I, I didn't pass the course that year. So back then, a lot of what you did, what you studied throughout the year, depended on the final exam. So wow. most of your marks came from the final exam. And Queen Elizabeth was in Aotearoa at the time. <laughs> and so the public had the opportunity to go and see her if you wanted to. But it was on the same day as the final exam. Oh, wow. And so I had a decision to make because, you know, we spent the whole year learning about tourism and how it's all about experiences and things like that. And I thought, oh, I could go and see Queen Elizabeth, which would never happen again, probably, or I can go to the exam. (laughs) (laughs) So I chose Queen Elizabeth. So I failed the course, but I got to see Queen Elizabeth, which was awesome. So I just saw her, which was super cool. And so that's, especially this week, that's a poignant moment that I'm glad that I took the opportunity to do. So... Yeah, so my CV all these years has said that I have completed a certificate in tourism and travel. It doesn't say I have a certificate in tourism and travel because <laughs> I didn't pass the course, but I did do the course. So yeah. I thought it was a little bit clever on my part. Yes, that's very clever. And you've obviously worked in tourism. Did you come straight out of tech into tourism? No, so I, yes, yeah, so I studied tourism at Waitaki Polytech. Yeah. And then I got the chance to go and do a year of nine months in Japan. So I did my OE to Japan when I was younger, because back then Japan was the big Asian market. There was yeah. no hardly any Chinese or anything like that. So I, I worked on a golf course for a couple of years. So that was my very first job out of tech was yeah. a golf resort in Japan. Okay. And then when I came back, I spent a couple of months on the Gold Coast and I worked at the Royal Pines Resort mm-hmm. on the Gold Coast for a little while. And then I came back to Rotorua. And uh, Ridges Rotorua was opening. They were having an opening day for staff. So I got a job there as a porter and I did hotels for about 15 years. Wow. And the opportunity came up to, and you know, in Rotorua, tourism, hotels and tourism go hand in hand because it's more of a leisure market. But Mm. when I moved to Auckland, it was more a corporate market and it wasn't Mm -hmm. really the tourism that I was interested in. And so I went and worked in Raro for six months when I worked at a resort over there just to get away and reassess, reassess life and see what I wanted to do. 
And when I came back, that's when the Black Bungee in Auckland came up. So that was my first job in, at a tourism attraction. Yep. And yeah, it's been a great time ever since. Awesome. So it doesn't sound like the decision to go and see Queen Elizabeth really hurt you at all in that respect. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> well, you know, it's how you sell it. <laughs> so I think, you know, that was the time that I realised that sales is probably my thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, perfect. So you're currently International Sales Manager at Tapoya. That's right. Yep. And you've been there a couple of months now? Since May, beginning of May. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And are you enjoying that change? It's, it's awesome. It's awesome to work for a Māori tourism organisation that's yeah. unapologetically Māori. Mm -hmm. um, and I still get to live in Auckland, which is cool. But because it is in Rotorua, it's that whole, it's that full circle has come back round. I actually, when I was studying tourism and travel, my dream was to actually work at Tapuia or Waka, as it was affectionately called back then. So mm -hmm. I made it. It's just taken 20 odd years. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sometimes that's what happens, isn't it? Now, you've just come back from the UK, Kiwi Link over there. What was the sentiment over there regarding New Zealand and travel internationally? Oh, it's all really positive. You know, travel's full on in Europe at the mm. moment. So I think it's kind of good that it started over there. It's kind of starting over there and it'll just migrate further and further mm. as, as the world opens up and progresses. So, yeah, New Zealand's got a high standing Australia, New Zealand, Canada, really highly respected and things like that. Cost, obviously, is a is an issue and connectivity and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, it's just, it's all that stuff that we need. We just need all that stuff to line up before it all start to happen again. But it, it's going to happen again. So I'm personally not under any illusion that it's not going to happen. People are just designed that way. So travel will happen for us and it'll be from 23, 24 onwards. Yeah, okay, that's cool. And did you just discover anything that surprised you while you were over there? Like were the agents looking for anything different or asking different questions to what they've asked in the past? I was surprised that so many of the people that we met, they hadn't, they, they weren't new to the industry. Mm -hmm. And so from what I've heard, because my boss, Sean, went to Kiwi Link in the US. Right. So yeah. what I've heard is a lot of those agents were all brand new. Ah. Whereas in, in the UK, they were all established agents, product right. managers. Yeah. And so there wasn't a lot of training to be done because they were all familiar with New Zealand and Tapuia anyway. So it was it was like a, a big sales call, really, because we didn't have to really educate anyone. They were all familiar with our products. So it's not like we were starting over. Yeah. It sounds like in America, they were kind of starting over. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, that's good so to was, actually. I was really happy with that, actually. And what else? I was surprised that a couple of them had thought Tapuia had closed out. I was surprised to hear that, especially when, you know, they're in contact with their New Zealand-based partner over here. So I was, I was a bit surprised to hear stuff like that. But apart from that, it was all really positive. It, it was awesome, actually. Yeah, awesome. And you also went to KiwiLink in Asia. Were there any major differences you know, that you found there? It was a lot more social than the UK, I can tell okay. you. <laughs> my clothes are a bit tighter. <laughs> but no, you know, the New Zealand's still got a great reputation over there. The big thing with Asia is visas. Visas is mm. an issue, especially for the Indian market. Yeah. And so it's, it's just all those things that we've got to work through, through as an industry. There were some great conversations between the agents, up between our industry and Tourism New Zealand around stuff like that. So it was just really collaborative. So everybody's yeah. on the 
everybody's on the same page. We all want this to work. They all want to send people to New Zealand. And it was awesome talking to agents who had, in the pre-COVID, they'd sold other destinations. Mm-hmm. But post-COVID, they want to come over, they want to move within their organisation to South New Zealand and Australia mm-hmm. as destinations. So I think that just goes to show the calibre of the quality of what we do as people speaking to those people, but also of New Zealand as a whole. Yeah, definitely. Wow, that's really positive. So look, Adam, I invited you onto the show to talk about the art of networking because you are the king of networking in New Zealand tourism, it would be fair to say. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to talk a little bit about how you do that like what where has that come from is this something that's always been inside you is this something that you've learned as you've grown in the industry um first thank you i wouldn't consider myself the king of networking at all you know it's really interesting that we're having this conversation because i'm naturally a shy person i it's it's one of those things that have taken me a while to learn to do and i actually remember the moment where i just realized that i just if i wanted to do this because New Zealand's my first love and so tourism has always been where I wanted to be because Mm -hmm. that's the best way that I can share our stories with the world and I remember the moment when I realized that I just I can't be that shy person anymore I have to come out of my shell and I have to make a go of it otherwise I'm not going to make anything of myself yeah and so it was it was the fear of moving back to Hawke's Bay working on the farm for the rest of my life (laughs) (laughs) that kind of (laughs) That pushed me into just not being that person anymore and mm. trying to be the person that I want to be, but also the, the, the organisations that I was representing and the nation that I was representing at the time. Yeah, yeah, that's mm. cool. And not only are you the networking king of tourism, you're probably the fashion king of tourism as well. Has that <laughs> gone hand in hand or is that something? Because obviously a lot of the time when I've been at a function with you your fashion has been almost a talking point bit of an icebreaker is that something that you've consciously decided or have you always been yeah. that way yes so that's strategic yeah so you know when you when you, you know, dress up a little bit or whatever it makes the networking easier because mm-hmm. then people come to you you don't have to go and try and push yourself into a conversation especially when it's a group of established tourism people and you're new yeah. You know, you don't want to just bowl on up to a conversation. And so, yeah, so that, that was my little trick was to get people to come to me and to start a conversation. So it's worked brilliantly. Nice. <laughs> and so I've I, I kept it up. So, yeah, that's that's my little trick to, to help me with my shyness originally. But, yeah, it's, it's just it, it works so good. So I'm not going to change something that's not broken. Yeah. And obviously, the more you attend these events, you meet more people and it's easier to then walk into the room on your own, isn't it? But what about those people who are walking in for the first time? Have you got any tips for them on how to break into talking with others? Yeah. So, and I used to be one of those people. I I would be petrified going into a room on my own. So I always made sure that I had someone or a group of people to go with. Yeah. And so I'm really lucky I've maintained some really close friendships with a lot of those people that have helped me and we've helped each other out which is really cool but my advice that I would give to people in that situation is there's lots of avenues out there um, for us you know we don't have to do this on our own and so you know we've got you know our RTOs are a great place to start you know they're they know everyone they're established they're people that we should know 
And so going along a bit to events with those people, that's really helpful. Mm. And they're there to help as well. So RTOs play a vital role with just little things. We all have our peers that we know. You know, there's a lot of mentor-mentee programs out there at the moment. So I'd highly recommend people who are new or shy or all that sort of stuff. Be part of Young Tech's mentor program because it's a great way to meet people. Mm. You get to meet the peers in your area that you're from, which then you can go along to events with. And so... It's, there's a lot more avenues to do that from when we were starting out in the industry. And so, yeah, definitely take advantage of those because that's what they're there for. Yeah, yeah, that's some good tips there. I was also listening to a podcast a week or so ago about this topic and one of the tips that, and I can't remember who the guest was, but they shared on the show was to target groups of three or an odd number of groups, because obviously when most people are talking, they're talking one-on-one. And so that third person is always the odd one out. So yep. if you're not that comfortable breaking into a group of people, look for that third person. I thought that's yep. actually really a, a good tip because when you think about it, that quite often happens, doesn't it? Yeah. And actually another good tip I find is earrings. Oh, yeah. If you, if you go up to someone and go, oh, my God, I love your earrings. You know, instantly they'll touch the earrings and start talking and then you have a conversation because, you know, with women, they love to talk about their jewellery and they all have a story, you know, and then they do all the talking after that. So that's a really good icebreaker too. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Rather than just sort of barging in going, hello, I'm Michelle. Yeah, Yeah, while you're you're looking at their boobs, trying to get their name tag or whatever. Oh, perfect. That can be a bit awkward sometimes. Yes, yes, it is very awkward. I know. They need to work out better name badge placement, don't they? Yeah, they do. (laughs) Okay, so how do you nurture relationships? Once you've built these connections with people, how do you personally nurture your business relationships? I'm really big on planning. And so so I, I, I pride myself on establishing that call cycle throughout the year. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, some of the advice that I love to give to the newbies, tickers or whatever, is April to September, October. That's your sales window to do all the work you need to do. So establish yourself during that period because mm-hmm. when tourism's happening, they don't want to see you. Yeah. So you're just going to annoy them. And so it's 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 having substance. You know, we want we want to have substance so they can trust you because you know you can be the most flamboyant social whatever person out there. But if you've got no substance behind you and, you know, be, have pride in your work and follow up on your work and things like that, the trust won't come. Yeah. And so they're not going to be interested in you, to be honest. So it's substance is a really big part of developing that trust with those agents. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's something that I add into my training with operators around making lasting impressions and actually having a plan for what you want to say and think about what you're going to say and what the outcome of that conversation needs to be or you'd like it to be because it's really easy just to go in and say, hi. How are you? And then they're like, well, that was a waste of half an hour or an hour of my time. And next time you pick up the phone to try and talk to them, you won't get placed inquiry. So, yeah. And I'm, 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 I'm really big on taking the product manager or whomever, the decision maker, away from the group. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, you, we can't underestimate a long run. because I, <laughs> I was wondering how long it was going to be before you mentioned champagne, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you do a lot more business over a glass of champagne than you do over a cup of coffee. Because people are, yeah, people are, I think people are a lot more honest and they'll have those honest conversations with you. And so, yeah, so, you know, 
it's great to go into businesses and offices and have those conversations and training and all that sort of stuff. But there's also that nitty-gritty that you want to have with a product manager. So going and doing training is fine, but if they're not actually, if your product's not really in their book, it's a waste of time. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And all that comes with experience. And, you know, you get that from your peers, from those mentors, you know, having all the substance and the trust and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what would you say the single most important thing is in making a lasting impression with somebody? I've actually got two. Mm-hmm. So we've already mentioned one, which is substance. Yep. You want to, they want to trust that you'll come back to them and follow up. I'm really big on having values. Mm-hmm. And so manaki tanga, kaisiaki tanga, whanaunga tanga are my values. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I try to live by. So if you've got those values that you apply to your work, then that you've got something that guides you. Yep. Otherwise, you're kind of just fluff, you know, flitting around willy-nilly, not really having any process around what you're doing or any guidance. So so much can come from having values. And then you can, you can plan on how you're going to maintain these relationships or how you're going to start these relationships if you follow your values. Mm. Mm, that's good I've often told a story about visiting an agent every year for eight and a half years before they actually switched to my product (laughs) do you have any anecdotes like that through your career that you know where you've had success through tenacity and just consistency over time I've actually had the same story as you. So mine was five years mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> with, a, with a super established agent. But I was really lucky that I'd developed this relationship with this peer, this, tourist, this industry person that I became really good friends with. And she actually helped me. Mm-hmm. And so it's like I said earlier, using your peers and your mentors and the people around you to help you and leverage you, that, that helps, that really helps. But also, you know, being part having done that work and as you would know having done all that work to get that business you kind of look after it just that little bit extra because you've worked hard to get it they now trust you but now that you've got it lots of other opportunities then open for you with that organization so it helps you helps to give you some you know a lot more confidence and you know you appreciate it better Mm. and so I I really appreciate my friend Jonine (laughs) for helping me with that and you know I've, I've I've helped her as much as I can with her career as well. So it's it's just, it's, it's that kaitiakitanga value that has helped us both achieve what we needed to achieve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think also when you know that it's been such a big decision for an agent to shift business, you then appreciate that loyalty component and what it would take for them to shift it away from you once they've made that decision. So I guess you've always got that slight little bit of pressure to say, well, it's taken eight and a half, five years, however long it's taken, I want to keep it for at least that long, you know, in business by looking after them and repaying that loyalty. And it is about partnerships, our industry, and it is about, Mm. yeah, working together in that sense. So, you know, that's that's a really good point is, you know, we're not alone. We yeah. don't have to do it alone. Tourism is such a, such a farm that we all look out for each other. So mm. it's there's, there's help around. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's one thing that I've found. It's really interesting. You'll hear some local operators, wherever you are in the country, talk about competition and, oh, they, you know, I don't get much out of them. But I think overall as an industry, we are incredibly cohesive and incredibly willing to share contacts, advice, 
anything really, aren't we? And and even friendships. I think of the the old friends that I've had for 25 years in the industry and the people that they've become friends with because I've made introductions. And yes, yes, but it's been really nice. It is one big whānau, as you say. So. And just going back to one of the points that you made earlier, we, oh wait, I wrote it down, standby. Oh, there's a lot of people that we work with that we don't get business out of, but they're in the industry. Yeah. And so I like to, I, I like to maintain relationships with, with other organizations, even if they don't have anything to do with my business, because we never know where they're going to end up in the future. You know, so we may not be working together now, but we might be working together in the future. So if you have that relationship, the substance and that trust is already there. And so you can leverage off it as soon as that opportunity comes along. So yeah, that's because we're talking about the networking thing earlier. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's how I like to maintain relationships. I, I like to maintain relationships with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a a very good point. I've worked with people that have been customers and then I've become a customer of theirs or they've become a customer of mine. We've worked in the same office together. So yeah, tourism is a little bit transient in that respect. And as you say, you never know where someone's going to turn up next. So it's always important not to burn your bridges. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So If you had to summarise, do you have like a top five tips for people who want to be better networkers or do this sales stuff better? Yeah, totally. And look, I'm not perfect at it. I try my best, but I did write down five tips. So values that we talked about earlier was one of them. Yeah. Manaka tanga, kaitiaki tanga and whanaunga tanga for me, the values. If you want to work in sales, you can't be shy. You've just got to get over it. (laughs) But, you know, tough love, tough love. I've already mentioned it before as well. Use your mentors and peers. There's lots of those opportunities around, which we never had when we were starting in the industry. Mm -hmm. So we get it. And so come and talk, come and ask us. I'm happy to share. And I I do get lots of people who come to me, which I love and I appreciate. I appreciate that they trust me to answer their questions for them. Yeah. Like I mentioned before, your RTOs, your convention bureaus, all of our associations, they're there to help. I used, since I've moved to Tapuya, I've used Tech's members portal quite a bit just to update databases and see who's still around and who's not around. And so there's lots of tools available to us to use yeah. through our RTOs and our associations and our convention bureaus and stuff. And yeah, just take pride in your work. Yeah. You know, if, if you if you don't enjoy, if you're not enjoying it. They can see that. And then why would they sell you a product? Yes. <laughs> so to pride in your work and the substance comes from that and the trust comes from that. So it's all that flow on effect. Hmm. Cool. Good tips. Thanks for sharing those. Hey, now it is Tawiki o Te Reo Māori this week, Māori Language yep. Week. So it right. would be a little remiss of us not to discuss this because I know you're very passionate about sharing Māori culture and your own heritage. So, look, I know there's a lot of work going on and the use of te reo is increasing in tourism, but there's a long way for us to go. What are your thoughts on how we could make it easier, better, what we can all do, what little steps we can all do? It's awesome that we're doing this. I think it's the Māori culture is what makes us unique in this in the world and I've even been more so into wanting to share our culture since my mum passed away because she was the Māori and because she was brought up in that time where Māori got whacked out of you so she never shared a lot of it with us so it's a journey for me too and you know I again I'm not perfect at it either but like I said it's a journey and I'm trying and I'm learning more as well but what what grates me (laughs) what grinds my gears is pronunciation yep and so 
there are lots of resources, there are lots of peers and mentors around, and we've used those words quite a bit today, mm. that can help us. And it, it just really annoys me to hear the same mistakes with pronunciation happening over and over and over again. I love that people try, I love that they give it a go, and I love that they're embracing things like pipiha. But when you make the same mistakes over again, and you've been told about these mistakes, to me, ignorance then becomes arrogance. Mm. And it's if and there's a lot of organisations out there who are leaders in tourism, who who abide by the Tiaki promise. And one of the Tiaki promises is to care for people in place. Mm-hmm. When you continually make the same mistakes and butcher our language, that's the opposite of the Tiaki promise. Mm. And so we just need to do better and we just need to be conscious of it. And I, people like myself, I like to take that responsibility of trying to educate people. And you know, I've had some chats with people. You know, and you know they've been open. They've been really open to the conversations, which is great. But then you see them continuing to make the same mistake, and half the time they're not actually speaking Maori. <laughs> so I don't know what language is coming out of their mouth, and they're doing, <laughs> and they're doing their pipi hard, but it's not Maori. And so, <laughs> you know, it's we, we just need to do better. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, it's interesting to have that chat, isn't it? Because I went, I don't know if you were involved in the better work draft plan that's that's come out as part of the tourism industry transformation plan, but there is a section in there about language and culture. And yeah, it's it's an interesting discussion to have because I guess there's a lot of I mean, I grew up in Australia, as you know, so it's really interesting for me to know and understand what's appropriate for me to share. Yeah. Yeah. And you know it's it, it is all about learning and it, it takes time. But it's just, yeah, for me, it's just when you try and teach someone mm. and, and they, they, they appear to take it on board and then you see them making the same mistakes again and again and again, yeah. it's really frustrating and it's really disrespectful. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Okay, well, there's a tip for anybody listening in. If you've been told <laughs> by Adam that you're not pronouncing things right, change it. <laughs> Uh, hey look Adam look that ends all the questions that I've got for you today but thank you so much for joining us and thank really you. Good chat about networking and obviously Māori language at the end there but yeah really enjoyed catching up and having you on the show and we look forward to catching up in person sometime soon thank you well I'm really privileged that you asked me to come along today so I'm making that a highlight of my month and I'm putting out my sales report too (laughs) so my boss can see that I have been busy but if you don't mind I'd like to finish today with a whakatoki just to commemorate the conversation that we've had and just us as an industry love to thank you so for those who don't know a whakatoki is a Maori proverb so mahia irunga itirangi marie me te ngākau mahaki which means with a peaceful mind and respectful heart we will all get the best results Oh, kia ora. That was lovely. Kia ora. Yeah. Thank you very much, Adam, and all the best. We'll chat to you soon. Talk soon. Kakite. Kakite.